May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Again, good evening. I thought I would uh, start our sermon out tonight with a story from around the Moore family dinner table that actually happened this last week. Now, my wife, Ashley, and my youngest son, Gabriel, had a little bit of an emergency, so they exited, and it left Jackson and I to finish the last of dinner and to clean up the table and start to do the dishes. And I would ask him, how has school been going now that you've been in three weeks, and how was school today? And he actually said, well, not so good, because this week they introduced homework. And as a first grader, he has not been used to much homework yet in his kindergarten year, but all of a sudden, here it comes, and he's not very happy about it. So I tell him, well, I guess we're going to have to rush and do that before night-night time. And of course, he's not a big fan of homework yet, and he tried to uh, dissuade me by coming up with what I thought was the greatest existential dilemma that a six-year-old probably has ever encountered before. He asked me the question, Dad, do you think they have homework in heaven? (laughs) And I told him, well, the only way I think that could happen is if your teacher was actually there too and gave you homework in heaven. And so I said, okay, enough of the laughs and questions. Um, Let's try to do your homework. And he actually, it actually turned serious. And he actually started asking serious questions about heaven. And as we had just had tacos for dinner, Jackson said, well, dad, do you think tacos being my favorite food, do you think they have tacos in heaven? And I said, well, son, I think we'll just have to see one day. And then he goes, well, if not that, you know how we love to go fishing together. Do you think they have fishing in heaven? And I said, it's very possible, but we'll have to see one day. And then finally, he said, well, if not those other twos, they, two, they got to have Legos in heaven. And I said, maybe we'll have to see one day. So we continued uh, that little talk. And then, of course, we got to homework and bedtime. But that type of theological and existential dilemma that we see in a six-year-old we see something just as powerful but more meaningful with Paul going on in our epistle to the Philippians. Now, over the next four or so weeks, the sermons are going to be focused on the lectionary readings from Philippians. And just to set you up for that a little bit contextually, Philippians is known as the epistle of joy. Tonight we have the first chapter, verses 21 through 30, which Paula read for us. And what we're going to see is Paul having a great dilemma, a theological wrestle. And he's being very honest with his feelings in this little snapshot of Philippians in the the opening first chapter of that letter. And we're going to look at tonight how Paul, we're going to look at the wrestle he actually has. We're going to look at his wants. And then we're also going to look at what he is willing to do aside from his major want. And then we're going to think, all that time ago that Paul was, what does this mean for us today in this season in which we find ourselves? So first, the actual dilemma 
that Paul is going through. And as verse 21 opens, you hear, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And then verse 22 begins into the actual wrestle that Paul has. And as, as he, he talks about, if we get to, if, if I lose my life, and I got to do a little contextual work as well so you understand this. Paul is in prison or house arrest, some mix of the two, and he is awaiting to go before the Caesar for his trial. Paul doesn't know if he's going to go there and the Caesar will tell him that he's going to be killed and executed or if he will be released to go to the passion that he has for the ministry of the gospel and serving all those small churches that have come up in the region that Paul and others planted. So this is where he is as he's having this wrestle and this dilemma in prison awaiting the news execution or release. And he's thinking, well, if I were to lose my life, if I got to go and see God face to face in the heavenly realm, that would not be so bad. He actually, if you're an English major or a teacher or anything like that, I apologize because I'm about to tell you the Greek that he used. It's excellent theology and good Greek, but not so, not so good English. And in our text tonight, it says that heaven, seeing God face to face would be far better. And as the Greek says, so much very better. Again, horrible English, good Greek, but even better theology. Saying that seeing God face to face, that encounter where there's no more pain, no more suffering, and we see and realize the full glory of God on display in bright technicolor, high def 4K, whatever the best is at that right now, right there in front of us. But here's the dilemma. He says, there's that, and that sounds incredible. But if I stay, if I am released and get to continue furthering the gospel, I get to see how it grows and how you all grow spiritually in the fruit of the work of the gospel and how the Holy Spirit will use me in that way. He's wrestling. If I live or if I die, which is better? That is his dilemma. Now, what does Paul actually want as the text shows us? It's his first want of choice would be, well, I'm going to go be with God. And all of these people are, that have been my detractors that have been arguing with me and just nagging me and everything that I have gone through would be over and I could be with God in heaven. But I wouldn't be as effective. And if I get to stay, I get to further the work in the ministry of the church of Christ and his gospel. It sounds like he's choosing one over the other, but in his wants, this is where that theme of the epistle of joy begins to show itself. He's saying one would be better than the other, but I'm not going to let the hard circumstance, if I'm released in front of me, I'm not going to let that detract from the ministry. In whatever circumstance in life in which I find myself, I am going to spread the gospel. And until that day comes when I breathe my last and can work and labor no more for the Lord, I will spread his gospel. 
He's going to find joy both in if he gets and when he gets to go to heaven and see God and be there with, with all the saints that, that have gone before or if, that, if his season will be extended for the work of the gospel with all of those churches around. So as he finds joy in either circumstance, what is he willing to do? He's willing to persevere through hard situations. As he remains there in house arrest, they call it prison or house arrest, as they kind of connote two different things, but he is, he is being watched by Roman guards. And it's, it says he's not focused on what will happen to him. We hear in the opening verses of chapter 1 that he is spreading the gospel right there and then to those Roman prison guards. And that some of them begin to think, who is this God that he speaks of? And then another fruit uh, that, that it also talks about is that as Paul is in that house arrest, that some of those that he has already taught began to grow in confidence. And as he is not there to keep the teaching and the ministry going, they begin to step up and to kind of next man up and released into the ministry of the gospel. He, he sees these as two very good things about that, that if he continues on, no matter what happens, I'm going to continue to do the work of the gospel. As we consider all of that, what does that mean for us here in this year, this odd year, 2020? Well, as you arrived tonight, I could, either one of two ways you have been or, going, or currently going through a dilemma of your own. Now, some of you, just like Paul, you yourself or you have been with somebody possibly on their deathbed as they had very similar thoughts to Paul, if I only have a few days left to live, what will it look like if I go and be with God? Or if somehow I heal from this, what will life look like after that? Some of you have shared or been in that season of life yourselves. But all of us continue into this very strange 2020 we're much like Paul being on house arrest. We, quarantined months ago, knew what it kind of was like to be in a 21st century context of a, of a not arrest, but stay home to save other lives. And as we continue into these protocols, we still need to do for safety, for we don't know how long it's going to last. We also, some of us, have gone through being furloughed from work or maybe even have lost our jobs and some of us even remain in isolation cut off from from the majority of seeing and being with other people in community and realizing what that does for us on the long term 2020 has been an odd year and I had to read something I've been journaling about and praying about in my own life as we continue into 2020 is I've realized when life is normal and I have my choice of creature comforts to help me cope with things, it feels like that I'm good and I, I'm good for, the, good for the go and good for going on. But when some of those things are removed, 
I find myself getting a little stressed out and I have a little dilemma on my own in which I might go seek other things that would bring me comfort or if they're not there, I get a little uncomfortable. And maybe I have to rely a little bit more on God's grace and God's peace to meet me in those situations. That dilemma for me, as we continue into these, has, I've had those highs and those lows of how, how's one day going to be? How's the next day going to be? And is, am I going to choose the work of God and looking for the gospel? Or am I going to look for the creature comforts and how I just survive the day and get to the next day? It reminds me of Paul and what he was going through and how some days, via the power of the Holy Spirit, I can do it. And other days, my weak human flesh can take over. So how do I persevere? How do I look to the things ahead of that? That is the challenge for all of us. Now, we may one day, we are not promised tomorrow, as we all know. And it's that we hear as the words of Paul, if we were to go and be with God, praise him for that. If we could go and be in heaven with him face to face and experience him in his full glory, we will all experience that one day. But that's the challenge laid before us. For most of us, we probably have a season of life left. And what are we going to do with that season of light? Well, we continue to live into the gospel, letting it via the work of the Holy Spirit do its work within us and around us. And as we live into that identity as the redeemed people of God, we all know that there is a world out there that we can take that gospel out into. And how my watching that the news and how our society seemingly continues to argue and pull apart and fight over several different things at this point in history. And as we're heading towards November 3rd with probably a big ramp up of arguing and all of those type of things, may the gospel bring the people of Christ to a forefront. When we know we need to listen, we give a listening ear out of love. And then when we need to stand up for justice, that we also do that out of love. And we get to see the fruit of the gospel released. When that peace and when that hope and the promise of the resurrection finds its way into a broken and hurt to society and culture and begins to heal. That's the fruit of the work of the gospel. What Paul talked about, and he said, if I go to be with heaven, great. But if I get to stay and do the work of the gospel, great. There is joy within both. Now, as the song says, and if I were to continue the conversation with my son that I opened up with, it might change a little bit. Instead of talking about what is in heaven, the things of heaven, or what is heaven life, what is it like, I would say, Jackson, let's not think of it that way. Let's think about who is in heaven. Your grandmother, Mimi, my mom, will get to see her again one day. Your papa, your gaga, and all these other people he has known in his six years of life that have gone to be there 
we will be reunited with them and all the saints that have gone before them. But that's not even the great crescendo. You will get to see God, your Lord and Savior, face to face. You see, Jackson, and for all of us, it's not about who or what is in heaven or what is it like. It's about who is there and who we will see again with God being the center focal point of it. That is what we have to look forward to and what Paul encourages us and reminds us with tonight. But that day is not here yet for all of us. And we continue into the work of the gospel. As I said, there was a song I was going to close with. We will all fly away. I'll fly away, O oh glory. And we will all meet on the celestial shore. But until that time, let the gospel continue to do its work over you and within you. And take that gospel into the world and be the world changers that the disciples of Christ can be. All honor, praise, and glory be to our Lord and Savior for giving us this joy that lasts through the down times and the odd times of life and, and the great joy that is to come for us all as we join his heavenly kingdom one day. Amen.